Welcome to another Dorkomotive Shortomotive with Brian Loans. On this episode, we go back to 1967 to examine one of the weirdest automotive promotions ever executed. It was during 1967 that the Diamond Rio Truck Company sent two drivers and a mechanic, as well as a dump truck, to compete in the Eastern Africa Safari Rally, one of the most challenging automotive events in the world. It's a weird story, it's a fun story, and this is how a dump truck conquered Africa. This is the story about how a dump truck conquered Africa, and it is going to be one of our short emotive stories because, you know, you can't really expound on it too far, but it is an incredible story. So 1967 comes along, and there are two companies. You have the Diamond T truck brand, and you have the Rio, R-E-O, standing for Ransom E. Olds truck brand. Both of these companies have been around since the early 1900s, 1904 for Rio, 1905 for Diamond T. Over time, they had both both kind of started making the same trucks when you go down the road you can only have certain kind of deviations among so many truck manufacturers and by the time we get to 1967 white motor company owns both the diamond t brand and the rio brand and they decide that there's so many similarities so much redundancy they combine the two brands into the diamond rio brand of trucks and they wanted to make a splash. They wanted to make some sort of a promotional headline about how good these new trucks are going to be because they were getting the best of these two legacy brands combined together. So whoever came up with this idea, and I believe it was the people from the uh, ad agency that was involved in this, um, in the making of this this story and in the making of a film that went along with it. And you can find the film on YouTube. It is um, a very fun thing to watch because what I'm about to tell you, a lot of the information comes from the film. It's about the only record uh, of this adventure taking place. And the Walter J. Klein Company was the advertising agency of record. And it would seem to me that they set this whole thing up to be a kind of big showpiece for the company. Anyway, the winter of 1967, uh, late winter, a brand new truck, a prototype Diamond Rio dump truck is loaded onto a freighter that takes six weeks to get to the port city of Mombasa, Kenya. So the truck spends six weeks on a boat, the slow boat literally gets to Kenya, gets offloaded. Meeting the truck in Kenya is a guy named Bill Tate, a guy named Jill Petters, and an engineer from Diamond Rio named Lonnie Hudson. And so these are the three guys that are going to be responsible for pulling this stunt off. They get to the truck in Mombasa. They then have to drive it 300 miles to Nairobi, which is where the Eastern Africa Safari Rally was going to start. And that was where they were going to meet the officials of the event. Now, these guys weren't directly competing in the rally, but the hook here was they were going to run the entire 3,000-mile route, the same one that the competitors would then run about a week later and report back to event organizers and tell them if there were bridges out or tell them if there were um, problems with the course, this and that. This is uh, long before anybody had satellite imagery, long before anybody had any sort of satellite phone. So really, these guys were pre-running the course uh, for one last check, and if they came back and told the event organizers there was a problem, then the event organizers would alter the route to make sure that the race could take place. Now, they were going to do it in this brand-new double-axle, 14,000-pound Diamond T truck, or uh, Diamond Rio truck. It was a C90 model Diamond Rio, if that means anything to you old truck freaks out there. So Tate and Petters are the two main drivers. Hudson uh, spends a little bit of time behind the wheel, but he's there as as support. He's there to make sure the truck survives this trip. Now, the Eastern Africa Safari Rally was recognized, still is recognized, as one of the most difficult automotive events on the planet. And especially at this time in history, 
The reason it was so hard, um, outside of the fact that you were driving through places like Kenya, you were basically driving around Mount Kilimanjaro, you were driving through Uganda, through Tanzania. Um, the event started in the 1950s and uh, really carries on until today. It's it has off and on been part of the World Rally uh, World Rally Challenge or World Rally Circuit, uh, part of their international kind of flair. Not typically run as it was run in 1967, run as more of a stage rally, where in 1967 this was a 3,000-mile trip on the worst roads in the world, over rickety bridges, fording rivers where the bridges were out, all kinds of just wild stuff. You had to really um, figure out how to live on your own kind of in the bush uh, out there in Africa because you were around no one. The big thing that was different for 1967 in this race is that the entire area had been in a drought for a long time. So one of the things that always used to knock people out of the African Safari Rally was the mud. And there is no paved roads, and this whole thing is dirt roads. Um, and I say roads, when you watch the film, if you decide to go to YouTube and search it up, uh, you will see that the roads are actually a... Um, kind of a misnomer in a lot of places where this truck went. In fact, uh, it would be driving in places and the quote-unquote road would just collapse underneath it in some places. It is a miracle that of the hundred-some bridges they had to cross in this truck, and they do cross them all, that none of them failed. And there is some interesting sound editing. You know, you'll see the truck going over a bridge nice and slow, and there's some definitely some additional kind of cracking noises added to give a little bit of... Um, flavor for the moment but when you see this big dump truck on these little rickety bridges made out of logs and two by fours uh it does give you some cause for concern and certainly um ramps up the respect that i have for bill tate and joe petters for actually doing this so it's very dry um they're they're going over these these bridges in a fourteen thousand pound truck that has no business being on any of the roads it's on very narrow tight winding mountain roads you know there are points where the truck is only has an inch or two on either side or an inch or two on one side before it tumbles down a cliff that type of a thing the truck itself was basically stock so it's a c90 dump truck so a big dump truck you can picture a, a twin axle full-size dump truck in the modern world well it was the same size back then um the additional things that they had done to this truck they put a roof mounted air conditioner on it and they built this really neat um, stainless steel cage around it to protect it to make sure it didn't get knocked off by tree limbs or anything. Um, they had ad added additional oil and fuel tanks for obvious reasons. You're going to be traveling through the uh, middle of nowhere. You want to be prepared to have all the volume possible. Goodyear put some uh, their super road lug tires on it. Really cool old school um, all-terrain, I guess we'd call it, heavy truck tire. They put upgraded Bostrom seats in it because these guys just were getting shaken to pieces and they knew that and they added a bunch of auxiliary lights on top of the cab the engine of the truck was an 8 v 71 detroit diesel so you had a v8 detroit diesel which again if you go and watch the video you'll hear that screaming two-stroke diesel sound that these guys had to put up with for 12 to 15 hours a day the claim is that they drove the truck from sunup to sundown every day and that they completed the entire route in five days of those sunup to sundown drives. Now here's where it gets a little dicey for me because I think that is an outright lie in the sense that in order to complete this route over five days, it is 3,000 miles, you would have to average somewhere around 60 miles an hour to do that, right? I mean, it's you know some basic math skills here. Um, you'd have to average somewhere around 50 to 60 miles an hour to do that. They claim that the guys averaged 49 miles per hour over the course of their driving. Ugh. 
The truck's got a, a Detroit diesel in it, fine, powerful motor, about 300 horsepower. It has a 13-speed Road Ranger manual transmission, so there are plenty of gears. We even hear the narrator at one point in the movie tell us that, well, they have 13 speeds available, they basically never get the truck out of seventh gear. I don't think that truck's going that fast in seventh gear, and the footage shown in the film, this truck is barely creeping along for a lot of this adventure. Anytime that it's traveling up a trail, anytime that it's making a corner, it is going walking speed. And while there is definitely sections shown where that truck is zipping along probably about as fast as it'll go, which in 1967 is probably about 70 to 75 miles an hour, they claim it'll go 80. Eh, I'm a little dicey on that as well. But the reality is, I don't think there's any possible way that these guys average 49 miles per hour on the terrain that you have to understand this truck was on. I mean, think of the worst dirt roads you've ever seen and then multiply them by 10 and then add some giraffes and antelopes and the occasional, you know, man-eating cat along the way and you have the situation that uh, Bill Tate and Joe Petters were dealing with as well as Lonnie Hudson. So they did finish. Um, they did finish the route. They finished uninterrupted. They were celebrated for their accomplishment. They were given this cool um, ivory tusk, which I realized in the year 2020, um, I guess there's nothing cool about an ivory tusk, but now we're over 50 years ago, and it was acceptable at that point to give somebody something made out of ivory. You would not be given that award today. That would not happen in the year 2020, but in 1967, the organizers of the rally recognized this accomplishment of this dump truck making its way um, around the entire route that the cars would end up racing uh, and doing it uh, in a very expedient amount of time. A Peugeot 404 would win the Eastern Safari Rally. And the coolest thing about this event up until this point, and I'm talking about 1967, was that no driver outside of Africa had ever won the event. And and the great rally drivers of the day would compete in this event with factory sponsorship. So you had the Swedes and the Norwegians and the Europeans coming to compete at this, and they were driving good cars that had factory backing from the likes of Peugeot, from the likes of Ford. Well, these manufacturers would also place in these cars some local drivers or some African race driving talent. And they knew the terrain better. They understood how not to kill the cars. And ultimately, at least up until the 1967 running and a few years after that, no driver had ever won the race that was based outside of Africa. And I think that's pretty cool. And it speaks again to the difficulty level of the event. What happens to the truck? What happens to Bill Tate and Joe Petters and Lonnie Hudson? No clue. The film ends. The story ends right there. I cannot find a lick of evidence regarding this truck, regarding either of those guys, regarding anything other than the fact that, yes, they went there, yes, they finished the route, and then after that it was like they made a film about it and no one has ever spoken of this again. I'm hoping that the truck exists somewhere. Typically, vehicles like this do exist. They are collectible, obviously, for many a multitude of reasons. Typically, somebody has this truck, but I can't find any evidence to suggest that it's in the United States. I would assume that they shipped it back home. I don't think they would have just left it there. It was a prototype, so there was some information to be gleaned in looking at a vehicle that had been shaken quite literally to pieces for about a week straight on these awful roads. You know, things like the axles that had been put through all this hellacious treatment. You could look at the bearings and you could look at uh, your air filtration system on the truck. You could figure out ways to improve the product because of the amount of abuse that it took during the running of this rally course ahead of all the competitors. 
I do request, I do uh, kind of uh, urge you to watch that film um, that you can find on YouTube. Just search 1967 African Safari Rally Dump Truck and you'll find it. It's 26 minutes long, well worth your time. You're probably stuck in your house for a week or two now anyway, looking for stuff to do. Now's the time to tune in and get some interesting history on the Diamond Rio C90 dump truck that actually conquered the Eastern Safari Rally in Africa. And how many of the cars that entered didn't finish? Well, supposedly 91 entries started the race in 1967, and about 30 of them actually made it to the end. If the truck had entered the race, if you do the math, the truck would have finished somewhere in the top 10. Unfortunately, or maybe fortunately for Bill Tate and Joe Petters, there was no category for a dump truck in the rally in 1967, nor was one ever made. But those guys made some history, personal history they made, and history for their company by going to Africa, completing a rally course in a dump truck, and being the first people in the world to ever do such an outlandish thing. That's the story of the 1967 Eastern Safari Rally and the way that Diamond Rio took it on as a promotional activity and then went mum about it. Diamond Rio would go out of business in 1974. In 1971, it was purchased by a private uh, business investor, bought the brand outright from the White Motor Company, and then by 1974, the brand had gone bankrupt and was all but gone off the face of the earth. So this 1967 last hurrah in Africa really was that, kind of the high watermark of publicity that the brand would get before it slid under the financial waves of the trucking business in 1974. This has been a Dorkomotive Shortomotive with Brian Lone. Stay tuned for another full episode of the Dorkomotive podcast coming to a smartphone near you right quick. <laughs>